today's guest is Lindsay Kennedy, and she has a very important message to share. Globally, we are very switched on when it comes to breast cancer awareness, but she feels there's a gap. She teaches breast health education, and she's lit by passion and fueled by purpose. Some of the topics that we discuss, her memoir, how she has gone from trauma to triumph, and the future goals in breast cancer health space. Please give a warm welcome to Everblessed, Lindsay Kennedy. Good morning. How are oh, you today? Yeah. I am fine, fine, fine. How's my sound, Jasmine? Yeah. I love your logo. Thank you. Thank you. So beautiful. Oh, yeah. And thanks. Indicative of the female form and how we have to stay really grounded and strong and how there's room for growth in all women and how we have many branches doing many things at once. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. that was my whole reason of this um this image. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Thank I'm you. in the process of designing like um the female form um breast checking on a t-shirt so I commissioned this beautiful human in the UK and she's sketching for me at the minute and I'm hoping to get it on a t-shirt yeah nice so I mean I'm in all that phase so you, you're lucky to have got the first go yeah thank you thank you and uh, yeah let me know about that t-shirt uh is it's in, currently in the works right Oh, well, yeah, it's in its infancy at the moment. It's an, <laughs> it's an idea that I'm working with. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Thank heavens for posty notes. I have posty notes on my laptop. Oh, I love posty notes. <laughs> People make fun of me when I say posty notes, and I'm like, it is posty notes, isn't it? They're like, no, it's post it. And I'm like, Okay, I've been, but I, I was, I think I've carried on a couple of the language jargon and uh, from England. So when I was used to live there, so people yeah, like, awesome. Oh. What part of England did you live in? I believe it's near Birmingham. Area. Oh, that's not far. That's not far from where I'm from. I'm, I'm about an hour away from there. When I lived there, I moved here to Melbourne when I was 23, and I'm. So I've been here longer than there, but Birmingham, yeah, they have a very strong accent in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I, I was I was there twice, if I'm not mistaken. My mother was military, so we were stationed in Upper Hayford area. Right. Yeah. It was not even. We weren't even on base. It was off base. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We lived in a place called Stockings Farm, and oh, wow. I have been trying for many years to find the little girl that was my friend there I remember her name and I have pictures and everything and I've looked for her and looked for her for oh my gosh 34 years now kind of off and on and I haven't like her name hasn't popped up anywhere and I'm like I don't even know what she looks like because I mean I remember she was just only like 10 or 11 when I we were best friends so Yeah. yeah she it was just um it was sweet memories, just memories that I wanted to cherish. And I wanted to just see how she's doing. It's been such a like forever. Our lives have gone through so many changes. So I'm, Mm. I'm hoping she's still on earth. If not, I, 
I wouldn't know. So Yeah, that's right. That's right. Stockings Farm sounds like it should be in the North Pole. <laughs> Stockings yeah. Farm. Stockings Farm, yeah. 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 It's funny, isn't it? The world has completely changed since, you know, we were 10 and 11 years old. I had a pen pal in Greece and I was in Preston, Lancashire, living in like a concrete jungle in a tiny house with seven other people and she lived on this beautiful Greek island having figs for breakfast off her balcony and her name was Sophie Dick Mandapolu. Oh wow. <laughs> her name was 14 letters long and I was just fascinated with this Greek girl that could write such perfect English and I can still see the way she wrote. You could tell it was she was European but yet her English was beautiful and I remember thinking how amazing it must be to be able to speak two languages mm-hmm. um and, and I'm actually still in awe of people that can speak two languages because I can't um but yeah I, I don't know what happened to her either I should maybe try and find her on social media but it's tricky it will be hard yeah I it is your pain. it is very <laughs> tricky I've even Facebook messaged a couple of women who had the same name and I'm like yeah. you know my fingers are crossed and I'm just like holding back my breath trying to you know hopefully this is the person that I'm looking for but yeah. um, no response and they probably thought I was some weirdo <laughs> just <laughs> like who are you what are you doing <laughs> but I'm yeah actually, I'm actually just putting it on a post-it note um <laughs> posty yeah I'm gonna do that I'm gonna try and find see if I can find her you never know yeah but it it has been some years some years well that's awesome yeah well it's just kind of bubbled up some memories Yeah, yeah yeah well I responded because I'm trying to get more reach really so I thought oh I might do a few more and obviously you try and target Australia but there's not as many and I responded to yours just because the way you wrote in your blurb, I suppose. And I just thought, yeah, I need to make some noise. That's what I, that's my business. <laughs> so here we are. It's nothing but good. <laughs> yes, it's noise out. Uh, it's the good noise. It's the white. It's the noise. noise. That needs, yeah, I love that. Well, thank in you. Fact- it's it's been an honor. I I appreciate that you are my guest, Lindsay. And um, no yeah, we can we can jump right off and get to it (laughs) so Lindsay thank you again I want to I appreciate you being a guest on my podcast and I know that um, we want to dive right into your journey just something that's a very sensitive issue it's it's so interesting how even though women (laughs) we've gone through you know we're born with our love muffins on (laughs) (laughs) on our uh, I love that I've never been they've never been referred to as love muffins but definitely they can be love muffins we are born with them we don't always die with them put it that way which is what we're going to talk about today right exactly exactly and I want you to take the floor so let me ask a couple of questions in um just to get to know a little bit more about you because we are talking about our lovely Tatas and I wanted to kind of, I want to know more about your background and your journey. So what, what was the biggest challenge in uh, your recent journey with breast cancer and kind of give uh, the listeners a little bit more about how that came to, how did that happen? 
Well, look, the words breast cancer and challenge are really in the same sentence. They're interconnected. Um, and I could talk for a million years on this, but I suppose when I think about the word challenge, it can apply to the last four years of my life deeply um, on a personal level. But with regards to challenges with cancer, it started in 2004 when I had just got married and um, the challenge that we had to jump as over hurdles with as a family was when my 19-year-old brother was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I'm one of six children. I was raised in a family full of love, not a lot of money, but layers and layers of love and um, gratitude and self-worth. And I was raised by two very, very astute, hardworking um, people, a beautiful Irishman and a wonderful English woman. And, um, you know, my parents are wonderful, happy and healthy. But the first challenge that we had, yes, um, my brother was 19 years old. I had just got married. Uh, I was living in the UK for a short time because I wanted to travel Europe with my new husband. And um, 12 weeks into my trip, my brother was diagnosed and it was just terrible. It was it was he was the baby of the family, youngest of the six. And that itself was a challenge. And it's seriously another podcast. It would be huge to talk about. Um, Ten years later, we got challenged again in my family. We got challenged when my sister, um, who was seven and a half months pregnant, got on a Skype call to me with a huge, beautiful, glowing tummy. And her partner, Michael, sat next to her and said, I've got breast cancer. Oh, no. And, oh, gosh, that was a tough day. That was a really tough day, Jasmine. It was the second blow to our family with breast cancer, with another cancer diagnosis. Sean had recovered really well, by the way. He, he's absolutely thriving. He's just turned 36. He okay. became a father naturally a year ago oh, um, wow. to baby Darcy. She's beautiful. Um, no one thought it would happen because he had such an onslaught of chemotherapy, but it did. Um, so when my sister's diagnosis came along, you know, we had lost our grandmothers to cancer. Oh, we wow. were familiar with cancer, mm. but we had this idea of what breast cancer was. And it was, you know, to us, it was an old lady's disease. Mm -hmm. And um, you get a lump and you live or you die. That was our, you know, that was our narrative. That's all we knew. Um, but that wasn't the case because my sister's cancer was hormone driven oh. by the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And at seven and a half months, my sister had to give birth prematurely within five days. She was terrified. Nine days after the birth of her baby, she had a single mastectomy. You know, she was 32 years old, um, newborn baby following the mastectomy. Two weeks later, she was in chemotherapy. And this was just your world's worst nightmare. So obviously I did what, what every good sister should and hopped on a plane to battle that challenge and looked after her little premature baby while her partner could focus on looking after her. Oh my. And, you know, it was a long slot, but together as a family, we got there. And um, the next challenge, I suppose, was um, me. I, uh, I got diagnosed 
well, officially February 2018, after this beautiful sister that had gone through so much already, sat me down once again on the camera and said two words that no one wants to hear. She just said, it's back. Oh, no. And I thought, wowee. And again, my narrative based on what you see in the movies and what you watch on the news was, I'm going to lose my sister here. This Mm -hmm. is it. Can't survive twice. Who survives twice? Well, my sister survives twice. Because she's fine. Go <laughs> I mean, for she, it. she's on lifelong chemotherapy. She she is on lifelong chemotherapy. She's thirty. Um, actually, she just ticked over forty, and um, and she's going to be fine. So, look, that's a really short. Um, that's a lot of information for your question, but the challenge, I suppose, that's daily in my life is is the challenge of recurrence. You know, I'll tell my story in a moment, but that's the challenge that we live with now. I'm one of six children. My mum and dad, like I said, are beautiful humans. Mm-hmm. Imagine being them. Three of their six children in their immediate family diagnosed with a life-threatening disease, and one right. of them twice. Right. Um, and, and for all of us to survive, my goodness, that's why I'm talking to you because this is part of my bigger plan but the challenge they're, they're life challenges they're momentous challenges but the challenge doesn't go away you don't heal from cancer your scars might heal but you don't heal and that fear of recurrence is a daily challenge with us mm-hmm. wow and i i am just completely floored by the personal and emotional impact that had occurred to you and your family and i am I'm happy that everyone is um, coming out of that. And uh, yeah. yeah, and I just can't, I can't fathom having one of my siblings or a loved one with this type of God awful uh, information that just changes mm. your life on a complete 180. But I am so glad to speak with you about this because you've mentioned a couple of things in your discussion explaining your journey as well as your sister and your it was your brother correct your brother yeah sure okay. and yeah and their challenges as well and there was some of the things that kind of brought to my attention is that there is a, a lot of lingering um, ideation that it only affects a certain certain a at a certain age it only affects a certain type of ethnicity because just listening to your story I'm I'm just beyond I know, I know. And and what we need to remember here is that human connection that I was born and raised with, like I say, in a very small house, um, you know, three bedrooms, but the upstairs, downstairs, that human connection is so strong and so intense. And I know many families can say that, but we, distance doesn't matter because I live in Melbourne, Australia, and I've lived here for 20, coming up 25 years. Mm-hmm. Um, which is over half my life. And I left the UK when I was 23. So the bond that I had created and kept and held on to was incredible. So throw distance into the mix as well. It is incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it is. And um, that is 
one of the things that as humans, we, we crave that type of connection with other people and to have that lack in someone's, their journey to find out this, this horrific news about their well-being or their health or their, um, their mental disorder or whichever the case may be. It's just, it's a very lonely journey, especially if you don't have the proper support group. And I know that was one of the things I also wanted to share with the listeners is that you yourself have a private group as well. So we can probably jump into that down the road on amongst all the other things that I wanted to find out about you. Our understanding is breast cancer only affects grandmas or, um, you know, people who, who are in retirement age or it's, it has, there is no discrimination on age. There's no discrimination on race. There's, there's, and there's no discrimination on gender. Because I mean, men, there's a certain percentage that men also can get breast cancer. So that's one of the things that we need to break that. that it's that, an urban myth as yeah. well. And yes, a taboo. I agree. I can only talk statistically from Australia. I don't know, really know the US da- um, data, but um, breast cancer in Australia affects 30,000 women a year. And of those 30,000 women, about 3,000 of them pass away. Um, men, approximately 175 a year as well. So it absolutely affects men because they have breast tissue too. It, it's something that we do need to smash. Um, I, I do a motivational speak mm-hmm. and talk about breast cancer as a whole and how it impacts our communities. And the amount of people that say things like, I had no idea that it can affect younger women. I had no idea how to do a correct breast self-examination, you know. And then I thought to myself, well, actually, I need to make some noise with a Z. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I exactly. need to make some noise about this. And that's why we're chatting today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting because I completely forgot about this. And I feel so horrible in not mentioning this before, because there was another woman that I also had as a guest, she herself had gone through the mastectomies and gone through breast cancer, but I never told her the story about my mother. And <laughs> I feel oh. so horrible now. Like it just, it just means you were focused on her. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. And I just, it, there's this times where our minds like to compress and store mm. away a lot of trauma. Yeah. And that was one of the things that I had to deal with. And like mentioned about the support group, the, you know, I had an instance, oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember, it was probably about 10 or 12 years ago as well. My mother had a breast cancer scare. Um, Thankfully, it was just they did the biopsy and they found that it was benign. And but she had to go in twice in two separate occasions because first it was like the breast, you know, scare questionable that she might have. They did the biopsy and it came. It was benign. But then a few years after that, it was another scare. Um, And I was the only one there. Those two instances where I was holding her hand on the gurney into getting that done Mm. and being there when she wakes up after my emotions about how I felt about her knowing that was put to the side. She's my mom. And um, 
I was holding her hand, I could just see in her eyes that she was afraid. There's fear. Even though she didn't want to explain to me what was going through her mind, I know well enough that look when someone says to you, what have I done with my life if this is the end? Is is there going to be a solution to this? Is this going to be the last time I get to see you or will I be alone? And um, yeah, it's uh, I'm trying not to cry, but it's. No, I, I, I hear you. Um, when you're faced with an uncertainty, it rattles our cage. It makes us tap into feelings that we don't normally feel mm-hmm. and it's foreign ground. And you know, it's like a child with new things diving in the water at the swimming pool for the first time. It evokes fear, some of it rational, some of it irrational. But um, certainly the unknown can be a scary place for some. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother was the matriarch of the family and I've been raised with these really, I'm looking at your beautiful logo with these really strong roots and a, call it an abrasive, you use that word, um, the way she raised us, you know, tough and solid. And I attest getting through what we've been through as a family to that. But there's no denying that look of the unspoken word when you know that you're being wheeled off and, you know, the question in your head doesn't match the look on your face. Mm-hmm. And that question might be, you know, when I had to say goodbye to my husband and go into a 12-hour and 50-minute surgery that didn't go well, that look of, will I wake up? Will the human body tolerate 12 hours and 50 minutes of um, anesthesia? Mm -hmm. Will I have an allergic reaction to anything? Because I'm a very allergic person. (laughs) Um, You know, and the fear of the unknown, but you, you, I don't know, British stiff upper lip, you just crack on. Because you got to get the job done. you got to get down to business. And you got to rise above the cancer, which is trying to kill you. So, yeah, that inner strength, you really got to draw on that. So I, I know exactly what you're saying, that you can put your differences aside. Because at the end of the day, that's the lady that gave you life. Whether mm-hmm. she did a good or a bad job, like you say, that's probably another podcast. Mm-hmm. But this lady gave you life. You're here because of her. and choices yet may have made bad ones but when it comes down to it we're connected and we've got to appreciate what we've got around us and and just march forward and I'm so very pleased that your mother is um didn't didn't have breast cancer because Mm -hmm. she's one of the lucky ones yeah yeah I would say about five years ago uh I also found that my cousin went through the same thing as well. And she was on social media reaching out to some of her family members because she was completely shocked to even know that she would have those um, markers to even be prone to having. And she herself went through the biopsy, but thankfully she went through the same thing. And, And I brought up the story with my mother and she's like, I didn't know that she is pretty close to my mother because that is her aunt. Yeah. But she was like, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one in the family. Nobody talks about it. Nobody speaking about it in general, just, just in general. Yeah. Um, and I know I have been horrible in just doing my daily checks and doing my daily awareness of my tatas. 
when you when you see something in constantly on a daily basis, you no longer see it. Or you yes. just so like with mm. our, our breast, know that it's there, but we choose to not see. So yeah, I just but let's face it, they're covered up. Yeah. All the time. You know, mm-hmm. we undress to get a shower at night in maybe you'll put pajamas on. Um, we don't usually look at them. We certainly don't stop and pause to look at them, which is what I really put a lot of emphasis mm-hmm. on. We get up in the morning, we might shower, we sling a bra on, um, we put clothes over the top and we just really don't give them a lot of attention. Well, some girls do, but most of us, <laughs> we don't. Like right. you say, you know, a nose, at least you can see it when you look in the mirror, it's there. But your tartars are just hidden all the time. So um, there's, you said something really, really important. You said um, the fact that your cousin and your mother went through the same trauma with great outcomes by the way which is good um and it was never spoken about that's what I'm trying to do I'm trying to create a culture with my practice that we do talk about it and the one place it needs to start because it does predominantly affect females is literally at the dinner table Mm -hmm. and I think that if you're too shy or it is too taboo to talk about it with your colleagues or your friends or your loved, you know, people that you care about, start with your immediate family. Open that conversation. Hey, you know, are you doing your mammogram? Just like, instead of saying, how's work? Like, that's boring. Do you really care how work is? But do you care about your family's health? Hey, mm-hmm. are you up to date with your mammogram? Do you know how to check your boobs? I've learned from this crazy English girl in Australia. Let me show you what she taught me. Do you know you queue longer for coffee than it takes to check your boobs? Wow. Like that's that's so important. And I say that at every speech I give. You queue longer for coffee. Not that I'm saying start feeling your boobs in the coffee line. (laughs) I'm just saying it takes longer. It's a very quick process. Right. right. Worldwide. Doctors say check your breasts once a month, okay? Well, if you break that down, there's 365 days in a year and a doctor's saying, oh, to be safe, you know, check your boobs once a month. Really? That's only 12 times a year. Breast cancer is devious and it's insidious and it can be the right type. It can be a very fast-growing cancer that can take your life very quickly Um, So I'm not satisfied with 12 times a year. So I um, came up with the slogan, Check Yourself Tuesday. And every Tuesday I go live into my Facebook group and that's called breast practice instead of best practice. And I teach people all about breasts and checking because if you're doing it once a, a week, not once a month, like the doctors say, you're doing it 52 times a year. So which one are you going to choose if it's in your family and it's a threat and it's a danger and it's something that's fast growing and it's something that's popping into our population so rapidly? I'm going to go the 52 over the 12. Um, I understand the doctors why they say it. They say it's around your menstrual cycle because your breasts change. But if you're checking every week, it's about getting to know what's you and what's new and forming a habit, as you might know, takes 66 days. Well, you're only checking 52. So Mm -hmm. even then, it's not even a habit. 
So that's the noise I've got to make. It's about going, hey, it can get you at any age. In Australia, there was a 19-year-old diagnosed. Wow. Two, two of my women in my group, breast practice, are 20, were diagnosed at 25 years old. Oh, my goodness. Most of the women in my group, the average age of their diagnosis is 38. Average. And statistically in Australia, the average age of women based on last year's data is actually 61. So it is quite high. Oh, yeah. 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 And I know. So talk, thing- talk and talk about boobs. Yeah, talk about them. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, thank you for sharing that. It also reminded me as well that um just recently they changed the age of having the mam- mammograms yeah. like examinations here in the US. Originally, I think it was like 55, 60 um and they dropped it down to 40. Yeah. And I was like um hello I was in that that moment where I was like hold on wait a minute (laughs) don't don't be coming into my rear view mirror at at 110 miles an hour on this stuff because my thought was I don't have to worry about doing this mammogram thing until I was in my uh, senior living home you know but so let me ask you Jasmine why do you think they did that Oh, because they started noticing more and more the the percentage of women not catching it. Um, I see that yeah. the mammogram exam, the mammogram itself, when it's outside of your home, when you are sitting in your doctor's office, to me, it's too late. Yeah. In a situation where, like you mentioned, you have a 19-year-old and 20-year-olds and 25-year-olds that are already being doing their breast practice exams and finding it early, you're with these tatas every single day. Yeah. You can get the insight, you can get the advice, you can get the opinions and suggestions from a, a male doctor who has no clue what's going on. Um, I mean, he was taught in school to understand his practices, but do they really know their patients? The only person that knows the patient is the patient themselves. Yeah, you're your own best self-advocate. And Samuel Johnson, who's an actor here in Australia, he's very well regarded in the breast cancer world. He runs a charity called Love Your Sister because he lost his sister. She had cancer at 11, 22, and 33, and eventually took her life. Yeah, and he fundraises over here, and he... Him and I have met a number of times and I donate to his charity. But he says this, your hands are your best weapon against breast cancer. And that that goes back to what you're saying. You have to take some responsibility for your own health. But we have to look at what 19-year-olds and what 25-year-olds are going, oh, I need to be careful for breast cancer. Because they're still thinking, the urban myth that it's an old lady's disease and it's a lump or you live or you die. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out there's 12 to 15 symptoms. You can get it whenever because, as you say, it doesn't discriminate. And you need to be checking your boobs as soon as they start growing. But that's not happening. So we need to get in. I mean, it's, it's very difficult. I'm a teacher by trade, primary school, and trying to get into the education system to talk about breast health is extremely difficult because you're battling parents and you're battling religion and things like that. 
Yeah. So the only way the only way I can do it is by going, how can I have some reach here? And that's why I decided to open breast practice on Facebook. Yeah, I mean, it's a very sensitive discussion, especially when you're talking to other parents about their children who are blooming and developing. And then they're like looking at you like, are you aware? You know, there's there's something wrong with this, this conversation because a grown woman telling us about our children. Um, mm-hmm. First off, step back. <laughs> you yeah, because it could incite fear. It could incite fear. And, you know, remember where their mindsets are. Their mindsets as parents are, my kid doesn't have to worry about this. Don't mm-hmm. be silly. You know, mammograms are 40. Let's maybe think about it then. But not according to the, my, the, the average age in my Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, what's speeding up the development process with girls at a very alarming rate because here in the U.S., we have a lot of um, products that we consume that have a large amount of chemicals. And I don't want to dig too deep into this because this is a whole different process process. and things Mm. that are officially banned in other countries. We are, we are letting our children consume. Yeah. Little do we know a lot of these carcinogens and other terms that uh, I will not go down that rabbit hole because it is an endless conversation. It's another podcast, correct? <laughs> but I'm just going to hit on it because it has been actual clinical studies that girls are developing at the age of nine because of the types of consumption of products that they're being fed, their diet, their their diet, diet. The, the dairy industry, you know, the, mm-hmm. anything else that pertains to how they manufacture and produce these products. And it's like, overwhelmingly it just baffles my mind how it is allowed but uh, you know that's that I just all that's my two cents and I'll just I'll yeah, throw it over it is, it is a really tricky subject because some people would sit down to me and say oh you know the aspartame in diet coke and is cancer causing and I think you know that's that's a theory and I respect you and I'll listen to you but I only deal with facts so I only deal with medical you know, like I think it's FDA over there, FDA approved yes. um, data and medical university papers and the, the, the things, you know, there are risks with breast cancer. And whilst there are many, I think there's seven here, obesity is one of them. Mm-hmm. If you are obese, clinically, you are at a higher risk of developing breast cancer because your body struggles because cancer is a disease. And if your body is obese, it's in dis-ease. So, yeah, we, we could talk for hours on that, but just know that in the world that we live in where everything is processed and everything is consumed at a rapid rate, it's a worrisome time. And I think that's why your numbers have dropped, your mammography have dropped to 40. It's actually 40 in Australia. Um, and I'm connected to a beautiful woman here in Australia that's campaigning to get it advertised at 40 because the government don't advertise here that it's 40. They advertise it at 50, but mm. you can have a mammogram at 40, especially if you've got a family history, um, you know, but again, it's about the onus is on you. Just as we brush our teeth and we take care of our teeth, you know, I mean, these days people are quite busy choosing to do other things such as Botox and things like that. And I think, forget the, bloody needle check your boobs you know 
exactly so um it is about you taking that responsibility and having the onus on you um but if no one's talking about it then it's not going to happen and what we're going to have are thousands and thousands of broken hearts when surgeons are sitting across tables saying i'm, I'm sorry to tell you you've got breast cancer mm-hmm. so we need to talk more yeah Thank you for sharing it. And I completely agree. This stream is going to be reaching its fingers across the world. That is what I want to happen because yeah. it's not a Australia thing. It's not a UK thing. It's not a United States or Canada thing. It's a worldwide issue because yeah. everybody's got breast tissue. Mm-hmm. Back, you know, and we could be talking about any cancer. Obviously, breast cancer is what we're talking about today. But it is, a, it is, it's a worldwide problem that with a little bit of education could prevent a lot of heartache, a lot. And I know that heartache because I've had to go through that. I've had a surgeon sit across from me and, and I was, you know, 70 kilos. I was a runner. I was healthy. I was working full time. I was having two small children. I was a you know, really successful in my job. I loved my job and um, considered myself healthy. I ate my fruits. I ate my veggies. My nanny used to say, I'm looking at your logo again, anything off a tree and anything from the ground, you know, make that the priority in your diet. So I'm walking around, hardly drank, didn't smoke, never done drugs, too scared. Um, And I just thought I had it all going on. And then at 44, when a surgeon sits across from you and says, your pathology is returned, and I'm sorry to tell you, you've got breast cancer. I mean, my first response actually was, I looked at my husband and went, told you, because I actually, in my heart, I already knew. I didn't need pathology to tell me. But that's tough when you Mm -hmm. think doing the right things and it doesn't, you know, you get dealt by cards. But, you know, that's the day where you put your armour on and you get to it and you do what you have to do. But you know, my story just did not go well. And um, my eight-year-old at the time, he actually summed it up really well, Jasmine, I'd like to share with you. He said, here in Australia, you can get, and I'm sure you can get them in America. I'm sure I've been to the States um, and I know you can get them, but you can get burgers and you can get one in Australia called The Lot. And it's got pineapple and beetroot and egg and onion and these beautiful big burgers, a burger with a lot. And then when I'd come through my dark storms um, in 2018, of which there were a few, they lasted from January the 25th to October the 15th, um, all the issues that I had. And my son said, oh, mom, you've really had the burger with a lot, haven't you? <laughs> you know, because each layer just... <laughs> stuff just kept coming and coming and chemo and radio and operations and bacteria and problems. I mean, so much so to the point, I'm actually in book headquarters. I, I released a memoir. Well, you can't see it there. Oh, but no, I released no. a memoir, which I would love to send you the link. Yes, please. I, yeah, I've had sales in the US actually because um, I've got a few, a few American goddesses in my group I call them breast goddesses um <laughs> yeah and I wrote a book because I wanted people I wanted to read a book that I couldn't find mm-hmm. I wanted to when I was diagnosed I wanted to know what I was in for because being a teacher I 
forward plan for a living. That was my job for many years. And um, I wanted to know what I was in for because, you know, I was that girl. I was that girl that thought it's an old lady's disease and you get a lump and you live or you die because that was my experience with my nanas. That was my narrative. But I knew when I was sitting there at 44 and healthy that somebody had to speak out about this. So I did. I released a book while I was having treatment. Well, I wrote it when I was having chemo because uh, I was bored and I've got a lot of energy and released it in 2020. And it's had a great response. I mean, you know, it, it was a behind the scenes look at a 44 year old breast cancer journey, but I made it so that people can learn from it, use it, take it to appointments. It's peppered with questions that you can ask specialists, whether you're in America, whether you're here, whether you're in Thailand, it doesn't matter. It's questions for these specialists. Um, it's got beautiful imagery in it. It's got QR codes before the world exploded with QR codes. <laughs> yes. Um, where you can read about something that happened, then you can hover over the QR code. You can watch the live video about what I'm talking about. Awesome. And this is just something that I wanted to get in the handbags. Yes. Not only going through treatment, but actually looking for a good humanitarian story about family and the ripple effect that cancer can have. Oh, yeah. You know, you throw a pebble in the water, you know what happens. Ripple. My pebble was the tumour. You put a tumour in my Kennedy family and the ripple effect was huge to the point where at the back of my memoir, I actually invited my son who was 10 and my daughter who was 12 at the time, my husband and my close homegirls, you know, to actually write their perspectives at the back of the book. And it is, it's just turned out beautifully. And I'm really, it's been published and I'm really proud of it. Uh, yeah, please provide that information. I'll put that in the show notes, throw in that, um, pri private group link if you'd like me to yep. do for the breast practice I'll put that in there as well got, I've got a US link a UK link and an Aussie, Aussie link so I'll send you I'll send you the link and um, my group is, it is private like you said because it is a sensitive subject we are talking about private parts after all but what it is the group it, it, it was formed because I was in these support groups because I, I, I unfortunately lost my breasts um, I look electively in the end that there was so much damage there in the end I chose to remove them and and my body my tissue on my tummy was used to rebuild my chest but it didn't go too well <laughs> um but I I made the group because I was in these support groups which are amazing Jasmine they really are but these women were writing and writing and writing and these Facebook typed messages were enormous and I thought to myself I need to bring voice. I need to bring faces on so that people, women predominantly, can tell their stories and teach women that haven't had breast cancer. So it's got it's an amalgamation of women that have and women that haven't. And the ones that haven't learn from the ones that have. Because how boring would it be just to have completely me every single week talking about boobs? These women, and some of them are specialists that we've had, you know, uh, genetic doctors on I've had you know volunteers on I've had women real stories real truth on and it's nice. all come together to form this group that every Tuesday on Check Yourself Tuesday <laughs> um I I turn up at eight o'clock 
for 30 minutes. And there are women that are scheduling this. They are slippers off, bras off, cup of tea, wine, whatever it is, hop on the couch. They are tuning in and sitting up and listening. So it's a beautiful environment to be in and the amount of value that it, that is there for women. You've answered all the other questions. Um, <laughs> who do you think of as a mentor and what did you need to learn from them? Unless um, I have that question or I also have the question about your children. I, uh, I did I not could, know I you. Do both, okay, cool. I, I, w- I would love to answer the question about who is your mentor and what have you learned from them? It is some people would say, oh, that's predictable or cheesy. But when I think of mentor, because I'm in education, I, immediately a, a beautiful lady called Maureen jumped into mind. She was my growth coach because I, the last five years of my career, I've actually been out of the classroom and in leadership and in, in, in a very small school. But I was I was leadership and I was mentoring younger teachers than myself. Um, she jumps to mind, but it's not her. I was thinking about this before I spoke with you. My mentor, and and I think when you're in, when you have, going back to the beginning of our talk, when you have bonds and connections, my mentor was and is and will always be, got to be my dad. This guy, talk about wanting to write a book. I, I When I have some spare time, I'm going to write his book for him because his life is incredible, a very peaceful, calm man from Belfast, Northern Ireland, and super calm. So I, I actually wrote in my notes, a peaceful, calm edge to a probable ADHD brain. <laughs> that would be me. Um, but he's my mentor for many reasons. But the what I want to focus on is that he taught me the power of connection to other human beings. He's taught me how to have eye contact from being a top, from being tiny. He's taught me the importance of thanking somebody and looking in their eyes, even if they gave you a cup of tea and a biscuit, because Irish people cannot have a cup of tea without eating something sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and he taught me the power of looking in their eyes and saying, thank you. That biscuit was delicious. You made my day. Thanks for having me today. And he taught me the power of, you know, hearing people really hearing people and as a talker I'm good at that because it's very easy as a talker to be a talker by nature to be you know quite often I catch myself thinking of the next question that I'm going to ask my guest instead of focusing on the answer and that's something that I've really had to learn and who knew that all those years of my dad teaching me these little idiosyncrasies of human behavior would really come to aid me and help me flourish in my breast practice because when I look back at my first um, candid cancer conversations with these beautiful humans and I'm up to number 34 this week um, I can see growth in the way that I speak with people and connect with people so the power of hearing other humans and not just somebody telling you a story about an airplane ride and you going when I was on the Boeing 747 instead of saying wow you know I'm really sorry that happened to you that acknowledgement of other people's stories instead of making connections you know on a psychological level and then 
throwing your five cents in. So he's taught me to hear, he's taught me to be present, he's taught me to respect, and he's my mentor for all those reasons. That's wonderful. I I probably need to work on that as well. I am you have such a great mentor. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't have the proper bring up. I think I'm I was a feral child, I guess, <laughs> in the way I was like I jump in and I was always angry and I was always interrupting somebody when they talk. I would just go off the rail thinking nothing but negative. This doesn't pertain to me and I'm gonna be combative and being defined with with authoritative figures in my life. And that was just one of the things that I've, I've had to like bite my lip and say, Mm -hmm. let the person talk, just breathe. (laughs) Because I've had that problem where I, I like to put myself in the equation when I, when I should just, just the initial thing should be, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. Um, And that's probably the reason why I wanted to, create this podcast because not everybody's journey is the same there's so many there's so many things that someone else has connections with with someone another person that they're speaking with or a listener but not everybody has the same same journey it's there's always a twist and turns and there's another extra fork in the road that you know was unexpected for the your path in your life but I'm working well, on it. Oh, you, you know what? Even putting um, your podcast out to the world is a testament to you having beautiful human connection abilities. And I'm really grateful um, that you've listened to me. I mean, I hope it's been okay and smooth. It's been a little bit like a spider web where I've, you know, got off a little bit on tangents. But oh, no, the, I love it. <laughs> the essence of what we're talking about, you've given me the opportunity to um, talk and hopefully have impact to, like you say, somebody listening, to just make that effort. And once a week, check your boobs, find out what's new, what's you. And the minute you feel change, um, go to a doctor. And they say, if you feel, if you feel the same thing for two weeks or longer, that's when you go to the GP. Maybe apart from a lump. If you find a lump, go straight away. But if you feel something and you think mm, that wasn't quite right and it lasts two weeks um, and doesn't go away and stays consistent, then then go straight to your GP and get it tested. And, and I love the fact that we talked about self-advocacy today. You know, be your own self-advocate. You only get one life. You only get one shot. And um, just be more body aware. You know, don't, you know, we 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 put makeup on and we put lipstick on because we want to feel good. Well, feel your boobs and then you'll feel great when there's nothing wrong. <laughs> that's probably why or I don't wear love, makeup. Or your love muffins, as you call them. My love I muffins. Love that. Yeah, that's probably the reason why I don't wear makeup now because I'm so worried about everything below the neck. <laughs> I don't have to wear Well, not, not to worry, but just to be a checker. Like, <laughs> be proud of yourselves. And remember Samuel Johnson's words, your hands can be your best weapon against breast mm-hmm. cancer and don't take no it's funny my gp now i don't go there and tell him my symptoms i just think, simply sit down in his chair and say i'm here for an ultrasound yeah he knows the routine <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm here for an ultrasound um before we finish jasmine mm-hmm. i would just like to tell you you really made me think when you said i think you said what's a, a quote that you love or that you like mm-hmm. 
And the one that I wanted to share with you today was, I like a few, but the one that I, I resonates most with me is, I must be stronger than my excuses. I love that. How powerful is that? I must be stronger than my excuses. So I don't have time. I'll do it later. Uh, you know, being that procrastinator, just, I don't want to go to the gym, you know, be stronger than that. Remember what you're going to the gym for. Remember what you're breast checking for. Mm -hmm. So be stronger than that. I love that quote. Yes. I think this resonates for my new quote of my life because I am a procrastinator. <laughs> I am completely <laughs> that. So thank you for sharing that. Okay. Um, well, with my children, I teach them, this is subjective, but I teach my children about the bad things in the world. And I do that for two reasons. So for example, I teach them about narcissistic behavior. Good. And the reason why I teach them about narcissistic behavior is because whenever they're faced with a negative issue, I always say to them, what did you learn from that? So we, we pull it apart, take it apart. So, for example, I don't know if this is big in America, but at the moment in Australia, we've got teenagers, young human bodies that are obsessed with these little vape things, but originally were designed to help you give up smoking. Mm -hmm. and, it, yes. and they're like flavoured oils and they inhale them and pop out some smoke. So it's not smoking, but it kind of is smoking. And I teach them about that. I teach them what it is. Lennox is 12 and Layla is... 14 and I teach them what it is what it can do the pros the cons the negatives even the positives like I say oh they do it because it tastes good or they want to you know they, they feel like it gives them confidence or they want to be part of a group or so I and back to that narcissistic behavior I teach them what a narcissist is I teach them what a misogynist is um and and as much as we can we sit around the dinner table as many nights as we can. It's usually five nights a week we get to do it. Um, and we say, like, we don't say, how was your day? We say, what's tonight's topic? Um, in fact, the other night, what was it? What are our family values? We went over what our family values were and nice. touched on that. So with my children, I teach them about negative things. We talk about drugs. We're beginning to touch on the subjects of sexual behaviour because, well, you know, 15 this year. Um she's so not ready by the way like she's young young female and she's strong and she knows what she wants but I don't want to wrap my kids in cotton wool I don't want my kids to not know what's happening to them as they are thrust into this world full of different and complex personalities um so with my children yeah I I, I raise them to be um you know like myself a good listener um an embracer of human connection um I teach them about trust I teach them about values we might talk about a different value at dinner like the other day it was um my son said what's an empath he'd seen the word empath and he didn't know what it was and there are so many teachable moments and it's such a privilege to raise two people in this world and I get to do that and that is really that has been the hardest thing about getting breast cancer. Not the cancer, not the fact that my body is covered in scars, 
one of my scars is 52 centimeters across my tummy one of my scars is 26 centimeters under my breast around my back um there are many 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 open wounds and scars my breasts look like patchwork quilts that stuff wasn't hard but what was hard was thinking that there's a possibility that I would be taken from those two people and that I wouldn't be able to continue life with them. Mm-hmm. That's hard. So I'm really blessed. And that's why I put all the effort into my children. And being a teacher, I see children left on the shelf. I see parents not invested. And that's fine. And that's the way you want to roll. But I have to prepare my children to go out into a world where there are people like that, that aren't socially intelligent, that, you know, that struggle, that have got mental health issues. And we just, we go to bed every night knowing that we've tried our best to be a positive role model, to have impact and to be an open communicator. So I absolutely adore being a mum, even though it can come with challenge, like (laughs) eye rolling and spending too much time on their phones. But, you know, that's that's a real calling for me. And you know what? I'm going to say it hand on heart. It probably took a breast cancer diagnosis for me to be able to see life in high definition now. Wow. I thought I was doing a good job. And we don't give ourselves a lot of credit as parents. But you know what? I'm happy to say that I think I'm doing a bloody good job. Yeah. Um, because I invest. I invest that time in my husband too. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the beautiful thing about the diagnosis. It's given me, my perspective is way different than what it was. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I believe you are my newfound role model um, <laughs> in regards to being a good mother. Coming from this perspective, like, do I have to wait till I have that scare or that mm-hmm. pivoting moment, like mm-hmm. coming from a different angle, I am inspired by you because that's something that I really need to dig my nails into and in being a better mother. I There's some things that I've just, I'm just skirting through the day. Just, like many of us, like just many skirting of us, through the day. I, I have three boys and I just like, they're fed, mm-hmm. they're educated, they have a roof over their head. Um, they get to pick and choose their own grocery list items every weekend. I mean, life is grand and they have all these multiple devices that they can play throughout the day. But am I giving him the actual enrichment of having those conversations like you are? Um, I will uh, unfortunately say no and feel really bad about it because this is a pivoting moment that I need to make the initiative change. Well, there you go. That's what today has brought. You know, we've talked about boobs, but really, you know, you'll walk away from this thinking that was a good story, but look what I've learned. And you can sit down and and change things like easily, very, very easily. And I would sit your boys down and be inclusive and just say, what what do you think? And you have to come to the table once a week with something you want to talk about. And I'm more than happy to address it. And one trick for me is to never, we, we should never tell lies to our children. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, even when it came to maybe thinking about Santa Claus and that sort of thing, 
when it got to the age, I, I couldn't lie. There was no lies. You can miss things out. Like when we had the dinner conversation that talked about one night stands. <laughs> you can omit things, but, I, you, you know, just be honest with your children, but make it inclusive. So Lennox knows that once a week, we're, we're going to say to him, okay, what's the dinner conversation tonight, Lennox? And usually he hasn't prepared anything. He just goes, mm, and he pulls something out of the bag. He's a, <laughs> he's a smart little cookie, that one. Um, but they're lovely moments, lovely, lovely moments. And I talk in my book about why did I have to have this diagnosis for me to appreciate what I've got. And I will tell you that one day we were at the beach and I sat down with Layla. We're in a play, beautiful place, um, part of the world called Dramana. And we were eating an ice cream. We were looking out at the at the water because we live on the peninsula. We're very blessed to live near the beach. And I said to her, oh, Layla, do you know what? It really is the little things that count. It's the little things that matter now. And she said, you know what, Mom? You should call your book that. So I did. Nice. And my book is called The Little Things because the little things matter, such as, watching the profile of my son's face on the couch when we're watching the Goonies for the hundredth time and he's laughing at the same part. Like that is a precious memory. And Layla's face when she's made a batch of cookies and she gives me the first one to try, just looking for that approval, like those little things matter and they count. And I didn't die from breast cancer, so I can really appreciate them now. In the past, I would have perhaps been chopping veggies for dinner and go, oh, yeah, cookies, I'll have one later. I'm busy, I'm cooking. But now I stop, I breathe, I inhale that high definition that has been given to me, that I've been blessed with. And I lie down at night thinking, you know what? Even if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, I can go to sleep knowing that I have had a brilliant, yet challenged, but brilliant, brilliant life. And since my diagnosis and my four years of being, like I say, a little bit peppered with trauma, and I'm not going to lie, but they've also been brilliant and pivotal in fashioning what the rest of my life um, from a mental health capacity is going to look like and from an adventure perspective. You know, what can I do tomorrow? What's new? What can I think of? Yeah, so I've got a lot of perspective these days. Can't talk straight because I have this frog. <laughs> so give me one it's okay. second. It's, it's a lot to process. I, I think as I've gotten older, it sounds weird, but I have actually, I think I have got a bit more profound with the way I think and the way I feel and the way I speak. I'm sure I used to be a lot more flighty than this and just, <laughs> you know, whatever. What are we doing today? All right, come on, kids, jacket, bag, let's go. You know, but now you learn not to sweat the small stuff because you actually crave the small stuff, mm. you know. And I think I'm a bit of, I'm very, very, as a teacher, again, we box, we compartmentalise things and we have order and structure and things like that. And I run my house like that. So you know what? The keys go in the tin by the front door. That's where they go. The towels, they get stacked on this shelf, not that shelf. And that was the way I ran my life. And these days I just have to go. So the shoes aren't in the shoe basket. That's okay. Don't sweat the small stuff because do you know what? 
when my kids are not 12 and 14 anymore and they grow up and this house is empty and it's just John and I, I'll miss those shoes. So don't sweat the small stuff. Does that make sense? That is so true. So true. Thank you so much, Lindsay. This has been a breathtaking conversation and I have learned so much and I know for sure 100% hands down, a lot of the listeners who are listening to us, um, they're going to learn so much more. And um, I will provide all of the links on in the show notes. So then the listeners can continue to follow you. Do you have any other like other social media links that you'd like to provide? Yeah, I can I can send them through. So on Instagram, my handle is breast practice saves because it's day five um and if you wanted to follow me on my personal one it's at lindsay kennedy lives because that's what i do (laughs) um and my facebook group is private so you'll need the link for that but also lindsay kennedy is my private facebook and then yeah just my book link really on instagram actually on the there's a link in the bio which has got um a link in it that when you click it it's called a social dot and it gives you all the different things it gives you a really nice look at what some of the things I've done like I've done a little bit of media um I've been on the tv a couple of times um because a a beautiful beautiful thing happened when my sister had gone through her treatment second time round um she'd also had the other breast removed so we both have no breasts now um she actually flew to Australia three Christmases ago and surprised me on December the 23rd and um, the doctors gave her a month off chemotherapy for her for that to happen and little did I know the local well not even local the national tv station like one of the biggest channels had two cameramen in my back garden and they came in and we ended up getting on tv and a funny little story was when we looked at the YouTube clip, because it went went a little bit viral, on Christmas Day, so two days after the reunion, mm-hmm. we had 1,000 less hits than the Queen's speech. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so our reunion, because obviously it was just titled Sisters with Cancer and uh, it was just a, an interesting story. We had the same cancer in the same month of the same year on opposite sides of the globe. Wow. So, yeah. So we've had a little bit of attention and I've done a few campaigns to raise awareness and, and funds for um, people going through breast cancer. So it's a beautiful link. That it's called the social dot and you'll be able to click on that too. So I'll, I'll flick them all over to you, Jasmine. Awesome. But Thank I'm, you. I'm full of gratitude for you today. What a way to start my um, weekend, my Saturday morning, um, chatting with you about boobs, about life, about humanity. It's it's something that um, I want to go on to. And my goal is to get a TED Talk. Imagine. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to be rooting for you. Absolutely. Thank I you. am so excited for your next step and your next part of your journey. It's all Thank positive you. things. Um, yes, agreed. Well, well, enjoy. Now that we're connected, there's no getting away. (laughs) I'm really glad I've woken up and got to chat with you. Yes, you you as well. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, you're very welcome. Thank you again. And and I guess enjoy with your family and have a wonderful weekend. And you too with with your boys. 
And I'm sure we'll talk again in the near future. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. All right. All right. Take it easy. Thanks Thank you. again. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Noise Palooza Ayan Podcast. And if you enjoy listening to my podcast, please don't hesitate to give me a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Also wanted to give a shout out and thank you so much to all my guests, past, present, and future. And stay tuned for the next upcoming episode on Fridays.